Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. So guys, the Pano book has shipped out to customers, to your Kickstarter backers, your lovely Kickstarter backers who have been with us along this entire journey. I have mine. I believe I got mine in some kind of special order, though, which I was very, I felt very fancy uh, about. Yeah. So I, Sorry, I everyone. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm extra special. That's, that's how these things work. And I just wondered, you know, it's all gone out the door. Uh, have they all been fulfilled? And if they have, how did it go? They have not. We're kind of in the middle okay. of Kickstarter fulfillment. Yeah, yeah. So we're almost done with the U.S. ones, and uh, then the next step is getting a whole pallet over them to the U.K. And then all non-U.S. ones besides Canada will go out from there. Mm. Uh, so it's but it's roll it's rolling. We're getting there. Um, yeah, we had a couple. <laughs> we had a couple little snags. We uh, I don't know how many people, but handful of people had panel books well the three pack in particular arrived like empty like the box <laughs> would arrive huh. empty open somehow <laughs> uh and we think it has to do with the tape somehow coming unstuck uh so we're switched so we switch tapes and we're doing some more testing so, but you know it's funny it's like you do all this planning and then you know there's always some weird thing that comes up uh, I, I, in particular, I think it's been interesting, I think because this is a, like a nice printed like book when it arrives, people really inspect it and expect it to be perfect. Whereas I think with something like the glyph or something, if, if there was like a little something weird or like the packaging had a dent on the corner or something, we don't hear about it. But in this case, I think, yeah, because it's like, this is my guess, at least just because it's it's nice and we've been talking about it being nice people will like say if there's one little tiny thing wrong in general it's been good but it's just it's been interesting to see like the different kind of responses i wonder if there's a thing about you know a paper notebook being inherently more delicate that if if people Mm -hmm. see dents Mm -hmm. and dings in especially in the boxes they assume that it's game over yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, and it's funny because they haven't re- they haven't been dinged up. It's really just the boxes have been like somehow op- they get opened and then they get an empty box. And it's like, why would USPS deliver this empty box? <laughs> it's like, like this is very light. Oh, <laughs> it's oh, open. Man. That's <laughs> but, so unfortunate. Uh, but, yeah, but you know, people have been very like understanding and stuff. Sure. So it's, it's fine. It's just like. You know, it's, there's always something, but in general, uh, it's been going really good. We've been really happy with the, um, just like the qual- like the care and the quality that OD the printers have been like putting into it. So that feels really good. Like it feels, I feel really confident about the things going out. Um, right. And yeah, so that's been good. Oh yeah, we should talk about the uh, the video that we made for showing the production process of the Pano book. Uh, just it happens every time and I always forget, but people really like those behind the scenes videos. Uh, so we made, you know, as we normally do, we shot some footage at the, at the, you know, at the manufacturers, at the printers and cut it together into a video. 
And this time it was, we actually did, like Tom did a voiceover narration because Mm -hmm. there are so many little details that were just much easier to just explain with words instead of trying to have text overlays or something like that. Uh, So it's a pretty long video. It's like seven minutes long. Um, It's really cool. Look at, uh, you know, all the machinery and the the debossing machine especially is really cool. It's like a repurposed letterpress machine. Um, but you know, all of our, every previous update we've sent for, to Kickstarter for the Panda book campaign is like, you know, it, they'll get zero comments or one or two comments and, you know, a few like you can like updates too. Uh, and then you, you throw a video out there of like behind the scenes stuff and everyone is just flipping out and, and really enthusiastic <laughs> about it. So I don't, we, we, that seems to always be the case. And I kind of forget that people love these videos. Um, so I don't know. That was, that was kind of cool to see that. I think that there is something fun in that. Like, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch Sesame Street and Sesame Street mm-hmm. would have these like segments where they would show like, this is how a pencil gets made. Like, I remember just being... Yeah, or Crayon Factory. Yeah, like, just being completely enthralled by those. Like, there isn't... There isn't it's mesmerizing. A, yeah, it's like, especially when... Straight up mesmerizing. In, in kind of, in today's age, being able to see that there are big, huge machines that make things still, and there are people operating them, it's... There's something kind of nice about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the real surprising thing. I mean, for us, even, we know how it works, and we're, like, sitting there you know thinking about worrying about how it'd be assembled and stuff but when you see the human beings who spend hours and hours like 15,000 they're making 15,000 books like folding stuff you're like yep there's a lot of humans doing you know humans do a lot of work so it's always a good really good reminder uh to see that stuff so but oh okay if you weren't planning on watch the video watch the video for the to see the paper cutting machine so it's like this big machine that's like a guillotine basically that can cut like huge blocks of paper but what's so crazy about it is it is incredibly accurate like we have these little hairline marks on the paper that kind of show where to cut the big sheet into the page size sheets and it's you know literally like a hairline uh like mark when after they cut the sheet you can look on the side and see that hairline print is cut in half by that machine. So it's this crazy huge machine that can cut at like consistently like a hair in half, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's really amazing to like see that accuracy with that machine. So it's yeah, pretty neat. Yeah, and we we were used to tolerances being that good for, you know, other manufacturing metal processes yeah but we had never really thought that paper based you know processes and tolerances were ever that close but it turns out they are that's pretty cool yeah, yeah. so what's next for pano book then is it just a case of getting everything done and then making a production run you already have some to sell right or isn't wasn't that part of the the run that you did or no yeah, we have more. So we have, we'll have enough to start selling right away. And we're going to be doing um, subscriptions. Uh, so that will be cool. So we'll see how that works out. But um, yeah, so so basically, as soon as the Kickstarters go out, and then as soon as the pre-orders go out that were after the Kickstarter, then we will send some to our warehouse, and then they'll be uh, available, like just for 
normal purchase or whatever going forward. So yeah, we should, I don't, you know, I think we have enough runway for the holidays, uh, I, I would guess. And uh, we'll just see what happens from there. And yeah, so this morning I've been sending out emails uh, to various press outlets to uh, try to see if uh, folks are interested in, you know, writing about the panel book or at least checking it out. And uh, hopefully uh, with t- the timing is maybe try to capitalize on some, you know, kind of holiday gift guides and things like that. We might have missed the boat a little because uh, it's already late October. Uh, but if we could, uh, you know, jump on to some of those opportunities, that would be really helpful so we'll see yeah yeah i i can i i like the thought of a holiday gift guide being completely done um by october but i guess mm-hmm. that's probably how these things work it depends it depends like if it's just a website that's linking to products often they'll do it later but if it's right. uh, if it's a company who's, who's ordered things to be and get they do it like way early uh, like yeah. companies will start calling you now for the 2018 holiday season to like order product and stuff so those lead times are real long yeah that ain't no, it's no joke so when a new product like this comes out though do you i mean do you start marketing it yourself like what happens there like how how does that work like is studio neat spinning up the brand machine yeah. Usually we just go real quiet, you know, and don't tell anyone. <laughs> just like, hush, it's, a, hush. it's a secret. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we uh, what we always do is we we're we're gonna we send it we're gonna send an email out to our email list uh, announcing that the product is available, and we of course always wait to do that until the product actually is available. <laughs> so we. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get all the Kickstarters out and we're going to get all the pre-orders out. And then when this it's actually stocked in our warehouse and we're ready to ship it, that's when, you know, it feels good to send out that email so that uh, people aren't waiting. They can just order it and they'll get it, you know, in a few days. And this is like a second wave, like to the same people that got the, the original email to say it's on Kickstarter, right? It's like now we have it exactly. whether somebody missed yep. it or they wanted to get more or whatever like you send it out then and it's like now we have them in stock and you're hoping to kind of like hit people on the second wave right exactly exactly and we'll actually have subscriptions now so it's hopefully be really you know if someone ordered one and they like it and they're kind of bought in then you know we could do subscription you know they could do a subscription if they want or whatever so, so yeah we'll uh that should be good uh and I don't know how the timing will work, but that might just be kind of coincide like with the holidays, like holiday emails too, depending on how things go. So um, it's always a little bit tricky. It always feels weird sending emails when everyone else is sending emails like around the holiday season. So it's, it's always yeah. a little bit tricky too. It's like you have to because that's why yeah. everybody's sending them. But it's also yeah. like you're only adding to frustrations for some people or yeah. you're sending it at a time when people may be more inclined to just straight up archive it. You know, like it's, yeah. it is a tricky time. Yeah, it's real tricky. But, you know, we do it. I mean, and it works, right? So, you, you know, the only real downside is just like, you know, unsubscribed and stuff. But I think people just kind of expect it. So, they, yeah. you know, and we're, we're real light touch with the email. So, mm-hmm you know i think we have some some goodwill maybe built up i don't know if people remember that though yeah 
Well, I think they remember if if someone's emailing you a lot, like I, I definitely remember, you know, and if it gets too much, I'm like unsubscribe, you know, so <laughs> it's just tricky. But I know, Dan, that you've been uh, you've been t- tackling with a social media strategy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, so I uh, this so I'm I'm in, I'm in charge. Of, I'm more or less in charge of our Twitter account. Uh, and I have been retweeting praise with reckless abandon. Mm. <laughs> no, I. Uh, you know, people have been saying really nice things uh, about Pan. Like Kickstarter backers are starting to receive them, and they're, you know, basically universally pleased with them. And so they'll tweet at us. And I have been retweeting quite a few of them, um, which is controversial. Maybe uh, it's. <laughs> It's something that I, uh, and I didn't even ask Tom if that was okay. Maybe I should have. Uh, but I, it was something that I used to think was pretty gross. And now I've done more or less a 180 on. Um, and I think my reasoning for that is uh, one, I've, it's never anytime those type of tweets uh, show up in my feed for other companies or whatever, it basically never bothers me. Like I never think it's gross when I see other people doing it. Um, Mm. So I was like, Hmm, maybe I was just overthinking that. Obviously there is, there are, you know, boundaries. And I also, this is a different discussion, but I also think there's maybe a difference between a company doing it versus like an individual doing it. Like if someone tweeted Dan Provost, you know, what a great guy. And I retweeted that. I think, I think, I think that would be weird. Uh, and so, uh, which happens all the time. I have to fight yeah. to, to not yeah. retweet those. So uh, many, what a great guy tweets. Yeah. So, so I think there's that. And then secondly, there's so many other situations where it's, it, it's totally not weird to, uh, to show praise, I guess. So an obvious example is like a product page for a product. Like it's a very common practice to have a little section with testimonials or quotes from publications or whatever. Like that makes total sense. And I don't, I don't think anyone should uh, think that's weird or in bad taste or even extend it to, you know, other categories if you have you know like uh, a movie poster with uh, quotations on it like it's very it's very common practice to uh surface uh nice things that are said by other people about your thing um so i kind of i kind of get why why the like retweeting praise thing um can be seen as as tacky or whatever but uh as I said, I, I've kind of gotten comfortable with it, and now I, I think it's like it, it's kind of nice in a way, and I think it makes people feel good who wrote the thing uh, to be like acknowledged uh, that their comment was seen. I think probably makes people feel good. I mean, I know that's that's happened to me personally, so I don't know. What do you guys think? Maybe maybe I should answer this before. Uh, the other half of your company does. Um, <laughs> uh, I really struggle with this. I try not to do it for myself mm-hmm. ever. Like mm-hmm. 
I might retweet things that my company does, but like if somebody tweets to me and they're like, "Oh, I loved that episode," I would mm-hmm. not. I I can't bring myself to do it, and I mm-hmm. think it's because it's me, right? Like mm-hmm. it's me doing mm-hmm. it. It's mm-hmm. not a comp. It's not like a uh, an yeah. organization, a faceless company, um, doing it. Like that they're. they're like us, like like you guys, the monolith <laughs> that is Studio Neat. No, I think I totally see what you're saying, though. Like you are the voice. It's it's very personal. Where the things I'm retweeting are praise for the product, for a product specifically. Yeah. It's uh, like so if it's somebody like, tweeted and like, oh, this is such a great download. You know, like uh, like. Well, no, that's not true. What if someone, um, what if someone tweeted about like, uh basically tweeted about choices you made about an episode or something right i still wouldn't do it you wouldn't you still wouldn't do it no i mean i'm not saying i i don't want to say that i never do this right because i i you, you know never say never but like if i ever do it is incredibly rare that i would retweet praise like i just yeah. uh, I, but you would, but you would but if they okay let's say they tweeted about just like i like this episode of cortex for blah, 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 blah reason, you wouldn't retweet that? Not from my that's account. that's basically the same. That's basically the same as like... But you would you would retweet it from the Relay account? I would possibly retweet it from the Cortex Twitter account. But it is, mm-hmm. again, like I still don't really do that very much. Well, I have a... I, okay, here's, here's a... What if it was a new... Um, what if you... Like say behind like like a behind the app or like you know some sort of like new timed it's like a new product basically like a new release would you be more inclined to do it then yes i would be yeah. more so inclined to difference. do it if there is a if it's a brand new thing like brand new yeah. thing long time like that i've been working on it so like that's why i can understand why you're doing it now like i'm not passing judgment right like but for for me, like I str- I really struggle with with it, like just personally. I I feel like it's a, it can be seen as like being a little bit tacky or like very like focused on self, right? If it because it's mm-hmm. again because it's me, right? It's mm-hmm. Mike Hurley retweeting a compliment that somebody gave to Mike Hurley about his performance mm-hmm. in something. Mm-hmm. Well, I think mm-hmm. it's just it's gray, right? It's tricky. It's like context. It's like that's why socialness is hard because it's not a clear answer. And I think the time domain is really important. Like the fact that the panel book is new, it's coming out. We should be trying to promote it because it's like new. Um, and so I think right now it makes sense. But in six months from now, if we were at this volume retweet, retweeting stuff, yeah, I think it would be I think it would be weird, right? And I think Dan would not want to do that. But if six months from now someone tweets something really nice or unique, I you know I think that works too. So I think it's just like to me, it is about like time domain. I think the fact that the context is feels like a launch. Um, you know, like if during a Kickstarter, no one would blame us for like retweeting stuff about a Kickstarter we're launching because they understand that promotion is really important. And so I think I would guess that maybe people have that context, at least internally, like that makes sense to me is like, we're kind of making a push because it's a new thing. And so it's like appropriate to kind of use some, some of our credits uh, in the world yes. of like <laughs> bragging. Uh, but then, you know, we need to like store them up again. The same with the email. It's like, you know, we're just... You need to be really conscious about those credits. And I think the thing, I think the, the thing, the, the problem in this thinking is that 
uh, there's assuming that people are keeping track of our credits and I'm pretty sure they're not like you mentioned before, but I think, uh, it's just good. It's like good for us to be keeping track of our credits, even if no one else is, um, I think it's still the right thing to do, even if it's not the most profitable thing to do, maybe. Um, but it's, I think it's the long, I think it's the long game. It's like the long play, right? I think the people who are most invested in our company, like, you know, people who really follow us or whatever, they will notice and they're the most important people. So it's worthwhile, but it is, it's certainly gray, but I bet you, Mike, I feel like I, I feel like I've seen you do it more around when you're launching something new. If, if, if I was ever going to do it, I would do it then. But I, yeah. I, I, what it tends to be is I retweet like the other people working on the project or, you know, yeah. As opposed, yeah, maybe that's you what know, I'm seeing. Or like, I, yeah. I would do that yeah. mm-hmm. more than I would mm-hmm. do like somebody's opinion of the of the thing, right? Like, so that's mm-hmm. the thing. Like, you know, if I'm working on a thing or I've got a new thing and there's multiple people working on it, like that's kind of like a, a strategy that I will personally take. Like, instead of me just spamming everyone by saying it over and over and over again, you know, I, I might retweet what somebody says, and then you know, this is I don't know if anybody knows this, but you get like. You you can retweet a tweet of your own once or something like that. So I might do that at like a different time zone or whatever, right? So I try and make sure that yeah. people are seeing what I'm talking about. Um, but the 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 praise thing is it, it's a tricky thing for me. I think because it's all mm-hmm. like tied to me. But mm-hmm. I mean, I would say mm-hmm. like I ha- I followed the Studio Neat Twitter account and I haven't recognized like I haven't thought to my I'm not keeping track mm-hmm. of your credits, right? Like I'm not like oh these guys. They won't stop. I think you would though. It's not a it's not a tally, but you know it when you know it, right? It's, it's like that well, quote about yeah, porn or whatever. It, it passes a a, per, a certain level, right? So like it I, yeah. I tell you what, if you were doing it like ten in a row, like all at the same time, I would notice then. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? If if yeah. like I opened the Twitter client and all I see is you re- your retweets, you know? Yeah. It, that's the thing is it feels like a lot to us because our previous amount was essentially zero. <laughs> but I think, uh, like you said, yeah. uh, to most people, it's probably uh, is pretty invisible. But like I went to your Twitter account and I looked at the retweets and I recognized some of the tweets. So like mm-hmm. I know I've seen them, mm-hmm. but it hasn't been something it's that working. I've been frustrated by, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh I mean I think this is an interesting trade-off in the context of like how personal is your brand, right? And you know, we think about this a lot. I mean, we we try to make Studio Neat, you know, Tom and Dan at Studio Neat, right? Um but then you know, there's some other company, you know, like you are I would say a lot more I would like wrapped up in the products that you make because it's your voice and like all this stuff, right? I am a hundred percent attached to them. Like I can't get away yeah. from them, right? Like yeah. they are one and the same in a lot of people's minds, understandably so. Yeah. And so I think it's an interesting, like when you're thinking about like starting a new business or a new thing, it's like a real, it is interesting. Like if, if, if Dan and I were less attached to studio neat, it would be way easier to just do like straight promotion or different kinds of advertising because the brand is more, you know, just like a normal brand or whatever. And so it is, it is, uh, it, these things cascade always. I feel like, um, these like decisions about how personal things are, but I like, I mean, to me, I think it, it's pretty good. 
I our balance. I don't know. It's pretty good. Maybe. But like, I understand why you do this stuff. I understand why people do this stuff because you have an amount of people that have chosen to pay attention to you by either following you in social media or signing up for an email list. You need to tell them, right? Like you have to tell them because otherwise they're not going to know about the thing that you're doing. And these are the people that you, the only people potentially in the world that you have a direct con- like contact to. You know, like you can hope that you send something out and then somebody retweets it and then it finds a million people somehow or it gets featured on a blog, but you can't control any of that. Like all you can control is the people that have said like, opt in, show me. And we uh, honestly, like the, you're right. Like we have a new product, like we need to do marketing and the retweeting praise, I think is actually a much more effective and honestly less obnoxious tactic than if if we were just tweeting that same number of tweets just directly from the account just like hey we have this new thing hey you know did you forget we have this thing you can go to it here like it's it's uh it feels more honest in a way because they're literally like what someone said we didn't ask them to say it they just said it and then we're just like hey here's a nice thing someone said and uh and like you said it it kind of you know, it's not obnoxious. It, it just, it just kind of flies under the radar. Like people just see it. And, um, if they're interested, you know, they can, they can take action. But, um, I, I, I I've, I've come around to thinking it, it's, it's a quite kind of good and, and, and kind of honest, uh, marketing tactic or whatever, uh, for like new, new product launches. So one thing that we've been working on is, and I, I went, we went to this, like, I went to this, like, kind of mastermind retreat thing and kind of had my eyes open to this a little bit. I think it got us thinking about this problem of, um, I think we've always assumed that, you know, like, when we send an email or when we tweet, people, like, see it, right? And they make a choice uh, about it. And so um, we have always been really conservative about the the amount that we tweet or email because we assume, oh, hey, everyone's seen this and we don't want to like bother them. Yeah, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true at all, right? Like people, people don't see emails or they don't see the tweets, or especially Twitter, and they don't see Instagram. And so it's okay to be a little bit more aggressive uh, in, in making sure that people, like just not assuming that like people have seen your thing, right? Um, and so... I think we're trying to work on that. We're we're working on figuring out a new. Uh, I don't know, like um, I guess just a new mindset or like a new like anchoring for that because you know it is like an about an amount and so it's a really fuzzy thing. But I I think that's something we're working on. And Dan, did did like thinking about that kind of change your mind about this or was it completely unrelated? Because I think it's just like. It's so fraught this this whole like thing. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, it was a little bit related to that, where it was, you know, uh, a single tweet is is not going to do it. Um, and so, like I said, this is kind of like a perfect strategy to like a non obnoxious way to over a course of you know a period of time, a week or whatever, uh, have this like announcement happening, but in somewhat of a like judo indirect way where uh instead of just tweeting directly from the account over and over again you're just kind of like surfacing you know people's experience with the product uh and that seems kind of nice to me yeah there is a middle point right there is a there is a balance that you can find 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the balance, right, is between, you know, your hope that you would be like generating sales and then like brand, right? And so I think that it's, it's funny. It's like, it's pretty, it seems pretty like boring and like tedious to talk about this stuff. And it's like, yeah, no duh, like you need to like think about that or, or yeah, no duh, like retweeting is like good. But I think all these questions are like what brand, like what brand is, like what branding is and like what brand building is. And so it's, it may seem weird, I think, to people who like aren't running a business that we would like worry about this so much or think about it so much. But it, it's like kind of the whole thing. I mean, it's like, it's like almost the entire way that besides the products, it's the entire way that new strangers or past customers like really see our brand, like our branding or our brand. And so it's, it's like one of the most important things is I think being working on this and like kind of being overly uh, thoroughly considerate about it. Huh? <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause the thing is nobody teaches you, mm-hmm. right? No one is, there was nobody that was like, this is how this, you do this. Everyone that does these types of things, works for themselves, has a business like yours, like mine. We're just kind of just making it up based on feel. Mm-hmm. Well, and moreover, all of the all of the examples like in the world are usually pretty gross, <laughs> like tasteless. Like, you know, Coca-Cola's Twitter account is not the thing you want to like follow to, to like think about branding like on our in our context. Right. So th- there's very few examples. Uh, and and most of them you need to like not pay attention to like most large corporations or you know larger things because it just doesn't apply to what we're trying to do right because we're not trying to be that kind of brand and so yeah there's just there it, no 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 there's not only no one is teaching you but it most examples are the wrong example and so it is really tricky uh trying to find your way i mean I think watching like, you know, blog, like honestly, like bloggers uh, um, in the past and like the way they've done promotion, I think has been a good model, right? For this sort of thing, because it's kind of similar, but yeah, it's, it's tricky. Uh, but we're doing it perfectly. So just do what we do. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've got it nailed now. So just follow the Studio yep. Neat model. There's yeah. a book coming TM. to you soon. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's the... Uh- there's the old adage that uh, if nobody complains about the price of your product, you're not charging enough. Uh, and uh, maybe that can be applied to this, where if nobody is complaining about the number of tweets, then you're not re- retweeting But who's going to complain? They'll just leave. That's the problem. Is yeah. no one's going to be... I mean, few people are going to be like, you're doing this too much. They'll just unfollow you and so that's that's what's tricky is it's like this silent ghosting that happens and we don't know same with emails it's like you know uh, on the email opens it's like is it tracking it correctly is it people read it but then you know like it's really hard to really kind of use those signals so that's what's so tricky there's not often clear negative signals that what you're doing might be bad um but there's always a good positive there's usually a positive signal so it's uh it's not the easiest thing um I wish you I wish we had good better metrics but not true. So Mike have we convinced you to uh start retweeting praise with reckless abandon? Oh, the whole episode I've just been sitting here <laughs> just <banning> researching <laughs> my name 
and just <laughs> firing off the tweets out into the world. <laughs> Everyone needs to know how great I am, guys, and this is the only way to sell them, so I'm on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, I have a great idea. We're gonna, we should form some sort of cabal where like a tweet ring or something where <laughs> we just will will retweet each other's yeah. praise. So I'll retweet praise about you. Yeah, we'll do a little circle, a little ring. That would be great. Let's do that. And then there'll be conspiracy theories. No, really mm, but the thing is though, like there are follow accounts to consider though, you know? Mm. Mm, I see. You got to wait it. I should have I, I should have uh, mentioned actually we've lost over half of our followers ever since I started doing this retweeting thing. Is that But it's okay. Concerned about it's okay. That? We just got rid of the ones that don't care, you know? Now we just got the true the true fans left. The bots. We, we just kept all the bots. That's really the ones you want. Thoroughly Considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. If you want to find out more about this episode, go to relay.fm slash tc slash 31. Thanks so much for listening.